0: Thanks for joining us this week for the Church at Starkey Hills podcast. Be sure to visit our website at starkey.church to find all the latest information and upcoming events. All right, I want you to open your Bibles, your device to Daniel chapter 1. We're going to continue to journey through this amazing prophecy in the Old Testament called Daniel We looked at it last week for the very first time. We found an introduction and we saw how God still looks after his people even when it looks extremely difficult. And God has given us this template, this model, these four young Hebrew boys about 15 years old to demonstrate how we can live for God in a world that is absolutely turned upside down. And that's important in 2020. Amen? Well, the book of Daniel... Uh, what we found out is that Judah, the nation of Judah, half of Israel has been taken into captivity. And Nebuchadnezzar is the king. He is a bad dude. All right, He is a bad, wicked, ruthless king. And let me, let me tell you, Daniel would know about Nebuchadnezzar. And this is what he would know. He, he was familiar with the fact that Nebuchadnezzar, if somebody disagreed, he would impale you on a wooden shaft and ignite your body and roast you alive. That's a bad dude. And now, this is where these four teenagers have found themselves. This is their new home. He, He would later learn that Nebuchadnezzar would have a conflict with a Jewish leader during the captivity whose name was Zedekiah. And Zedekiah partnered with Egypt to try to take over Babylon, to try to push back. And Nebuchadnezzar found out about it. So he went and he took Zedekiah and he stood in front of him, his wife and his children and the the people in his uh, uh, court in his court, and he murdered them in front of zedekiah they didn 't murder Zedekiah, they took a hot sword and they burned his eyes out, so the last thing he would ever see is the murder of his children and his family in his court. Then they would usher him off and put him in prison, where he would die in prison. The last thing he ever saw was the murder of his family. Nebuchadnezzar was a bad dude. And now we find here Daniel and his friends, these teenagers, they're, they're, they've been relocated from their home and they have this new place. The ones that were left in Babylon were new about Nebuchadnezzar. They were left there, but he had chosen the cream of the crop. You'll remember last week he said, I want you to find the best looking, the, the most physically fit, the brightest, the wisest. I want the absolute best of Hebrew representation because I need to retrain them so they'll help me acclimate the rest of the nation so he had relocated them about a thousand miles you will remember the story they walked a thousand miles to get to the new home he has redefined them he put them under the chief of eunuchs your translation may say court officials the chief of the eunuchs They unmanned these boys. He reprogrammed them. He put them in a three-year school for cultural studies so they would learn a different education style, a different literature, a different art, a different philosophy for life. And then lastly, he renamed them. They had Hebrew names because they had good Hebrew mommies and daddies who taught them about God, who taught them the Word of God. Now they've been renamed. They've got names that are ungodly names. So everything about them has changed. And so in chapter 1, the first half, the kind of the, excuse me, chapter 1, the theme is, where is your line? Where is that thing in your life? Where is that place in your life where you've drawn a line, chiseled it in granite, etched it in steel that you will not cross? that thing that you said in your mind and your heart and in your soul, man, I can't believe they do that. I'll never be caught doing that. We all have them. And I want to I want you to understand something. It is paramount, critically important that you define your line before you approach that line. Because if it's not well defined you'll breach the line the enemy will have you in a place you never intended to go simply because you did not define well the line that you said you're going to hold so last week in the first half we saw four strategies of the enemy who is satan it's common enemy we're not each other's enemy lost people who are doing things that we don't agree with they're not our enemy they may be used by the enemy satan is our enemy he's a common enemy to all mankind and so the enemy demonstrated last week four strategies to help you encourage you entice you and invite you to cross the line that you've established we just mentioned those he he relocates he redefines he reprograms he renames he 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 wants to recalibrate your spiritual and moral compass and so sermon two today we're going to learn if we've defined a line we're going to learn how to hold the line we've heard that expression before. we've got to hold the line Well, it's important that we do. Once we define the line uh, that God has given us, then we need to learn how to hold the line. We're going to learn that from the same young men, from the same teenagers that we learned last week about the enemy's strategies. Now, we're going to find this beginning in chapter 1, hold the line, first verse, 8b, come in here there it is alright now I highlight these words on this screen because I want you to see for emphasis where we're going alright join me as we read but Daniel made up his mind that he would not defile himself with the royal delicacies or the royal wine now he, he's here in in this simple verse verse 8 I want you to notice the word but the word but is a contrasting conjunction now what that means is when Everybody else is described one way, but Daniel, he's different. There's a contrast. And I want you to know as children of God, as men, women, boys, and girls, it's important, vitally important, that we don't look always just like the rest of the world. There should be a contrast in our character there should be a contrast in our nature there should be a contrast in our actions there should be a contrast in the words that we use and in the things that we view in the conversations we have we should be different we should be set apart but I also want you to notice these words he made up his mind now your, your Bible your translation may actually say he resolved himself. Anybody got a resolved in your Bible? Say, I do. Right there's one. Okay. And does anybody say he purposed in his mind? Okay. He purposed in his heart. He made up his mind. All of those words are the word resolve, and it means the same thing. It means to decide firmly on a course of action. So in this world, man, uh, that he's unfamiliar with. Now, don't get me wrong. He's in, he has arrived in the greatest country on the planet at that time okay it's got the greatest wealth it's got the greatest military power it's got the greatest museums it, it offers everything in fact one of the seven ancient wonders of the world was the Babylonian gardens they were lush in the middle of an arid land they had these beautiful gardens where they they brought in water to take care of them I mean it was it was the place all right and so they're there but it's not their home and 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 they're in this foreign land in this foreign culture, and they're at a crossroads. They're at the crossroads now. They get to start making decisions for themselves in this new land when it's not comfortable. Listen, it's easy to make good decisions when you're hanging out with good people. Okay, it gets it it gets hard to make the right decisions when the people around you aren't thinking like you're thinking. They they don't have the same uh, motive or the same uh, idea for your future. That you do. It's a, a hinge point or a launch pad. Now, I want you to understand something. When we find ourselves at a crossroads and we get to make decisions, and it's a decision about holding a line, those decisions change and determine the, the trajectory of our life moving forward. That crossroad, that moment, that one seemingly insignificant decision can affect and change the whole trajectory of our life moving forward. And I want you to know today God. Is looking for some people who will simply draw a line and hold the line. Because when we do, he meets you there. He meets us there. So in the Bible, you'll find all kinds of examples of people who were unresolved. People who never made up their mind. People who never purposed in their heart. People who never nailed it down and held it. Okay? It starts in the garden. Adam, he didn't hold it. Abraham, didn't hold it. Sarah didn't hold it. Esau, Aaron, and Samson, and David, and Solomon, and Ananias, and Sapphira, and Judas Iscariot. None of those people had defined the line well. None of those people, when they got to the crossroads, were willing to say, "Uh, I'm not crossing that line. That is the line that I will not breach. That is the line that I will not step over. Today we see it in our world. We see athletes who fail. We see politicians who fail. We see preachers who fail and stock market wizards who fail and drug addicts and alcoholics and dads and moms failing because it all goes back to this. They never defined well the line. They never resolved themselves to hold the line well, and therefore they never held the line and they failed failed so and so they've been relocated redefined reprogrammed and renamed and no scripture now listen no scripture that in Daniel's life has been um, broken yet he, he, he's not committed to sin yet all of that stuff was something they did to him I want you to know something what somebody does to you is not a sin for you what you choose for yourself Is the sin for you. The sin is not the bait. The sin is the bite. And so Daniel, thus far, everything that's happened, he still has a clean and clear conscience. He got a new name. There's nothing in the Old Testament that says, if somebody calls you a name, that defiles you. There's nothing in the Old Testament, in the law, that says if somebody snatches you out of your home and makes you walk a thousand miles to call it a new home, that that will defile you. There's nothing in the law that says if you learn about other cultures and other religions and other thoughts and ideas, there's nothing about learning about other ideas that will defile you. There's nothing about any of that that has defiled you. He has a clean and clear conscience. But he's at a place right now, but Daniel made up his mind not to take of the king's delicacies because it would defile him. You see, there was a law that said this is what you're supposed to eat. This is what you're not supposed to eat. This is what you're supposed to drink. This is what you're not supposed to to drink. Now, here's what happens. This is really good. I want you to lean in and listen. This is really good for all of us, no matter how old you are, how young you are, male or female, this is powerful stuff. Here it is. When we get to the crossroads where we have defined a line, and all of a sudden the invitation, the enticement, the encouragement to come across the line comes, here's what happens in our mind if we have not resolved ourselves to do the right thing. What we do is we begin to compromise our convictions, we begin to marginalize those things that once we said were so important. How, what does that look like? We say things like, this is what the Hebrew boys could say. Daniel and his little posse standing there, this is what they could have said. Hey, fellas, dude, man, look at, look at what they're offering us. It's the best that the world has to offer. And in fact, I mean, we're a 1,000 miles from home. You know, we're, nobody's going to know. I mean, you know, what happens in Babylon Stays in Babylon, right? No, it doesn't. I just want to tell you, we have a very funny story like that here in church. We have a young couple that hadn't been married long. They went to Las Vegas for a little vacation, okay? Had a good vacation, apparently, because when they got back, she was pregnant. So what stays in Babylon, or what happens in Babylon, don't always stay in Babylon, all right? And I want you to know, Sometimes when we feel remote and dislocated and disjointed and separated and shielded from anybody knowing our business, I want you to know that stuff latches on and you drag it along with you. And you, you, It may not be revealed tomorrow. Next week it may not come out. But listen, what happened in Babylon doesn't stay in Babylon. It goes with you. And they, they could have said that better than the rest of us I mean they had to walk a thousand miles they didn't uber ride a train or a plane they walked ain't nobody coming checking up on them or they could have said this they could have said well you know what we're 15 for crying out loud we got some wild oats to sow you know we got Wheaties you know we got it going on And, and, and we're just teenagers and you know what they say boys will be boys and so let's just you know we're gonna be okay they could have marginalized and and compromised their convictions they could have taken a spiritual approach. Yeah, they could have said, all right, here's what we're going to do, guys. I mean, we know the king. He's a bad dude. Look what he did to us. He moved us. He unmanned us. He reeducated us. He renamed us. He don't care, okay? So why don't we just, why don't we just compromise our conviction, go ahead and do that thing, and then we'll ask God to use it as our platform. Yeah that'll work you can use us in that world God you will put us in there and now once we're in this world that looks like hell you can rise us up and we'll introduce that world to you that's not what they did that's not the right answer they said no we are resolved and we will not cross the line his conscience wouldn't let him so he had to hold the line I want you to understand something what's the absolute best for somebody else maybe the absolute worst for you in that world of Babylon it was the best man he was the king of the world and everything the absolute best of everything was brought before him and placed on his table it was what the world says was the best I want you to know what is the absolute best for somebody else maybe the absolute worst for you and you have to learn to kind of understand that and unpack that and so Daniel thought for himself and he says you know what I know about food and beverage I know how good it can look and I know how it can lead people astray no doubt no doubt Daniel and his friends had been taught the Old Testament and they knew that that in the Garden of Beginnings in Genesis what was the cause of the fall what was the temptation food fruit he knew that lot and his daughters that lots daughters got him drunk so they could become pregnant by their dad Using alcohol, they knew that Noah had been used to build a boat and save the world and built a vineyard and got drunk, and his son did something weird to him, and it cursed a whole generation and a whole lineage of people. He knew that Jacob and Esau, Esau traded in his whole birthright, his whole inheritance, for what? A bowl of stew. I mean, I get hungry, I like to eat, but he cashed in everything for a bowl of stew. Ultimately, we keep reading on the Mount of, of uh, temptation. Where Jesus would be tempted after 40 days of fasting. The devil shows up and what's his temptation? Hey man, I know you're hungry. You've been fasting 40 days. See those stones? Why don't we have a bread party? Okay? It is a real deal. Daniel got that. Why? What made him get that? You remember what it said? He, He had knowledge. He was smart. But he also had wisdom. He didn't just know things. He knew why they worked that way. Because God's hand was upon these obedient boys. And so, it, your, our conscience and our conviction has to be satisfied. We have to maintain that. And the way we maintain it is by holding the line. The way we hold the line first is through resolve. Now, here, here's what would make them be so resolved. Because they were in a pursuit of holiness. Now, we live in a world don't even like that word. The Bible says, be ye perfect as I am perfect. Perfect. Did you know that's God's expectation for us to be perfect? You can translate, you can exchange that word perfect for holy depending on your translation. He says, be holy because I'm holy. Be perfect because I'm perfect. I'll just tell you, listen church, individual Christian, follower of Jesus, God's desire for your life is that you live absolutely stinking perfect. You're not going to, but you're supposed to attempt. You're supposed to hunger and strive and, and, and pant for it like a deer pants for water. You want to live right. I, I, just yesterday in, 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 in processing all this, I was driving down the road and it dawned on me. I was sitting there thinking, God, you know, help me pursue holiness more. Help me take every thought captive. Help me make right decisions. Help me be more loving. Help me be more gracious, more merciful. Let, help me be like you. Listen, the reason he wants you to be holy is because his desire, he created you as an image bearer of him, and he wants to conform you to that place where you look more and more like the one who gave you the image that you have, and that is the image of God. So what is holiness? Let's simplify it, because we want to confuse everything, right? Holiness ain't that hard. When God says no, we agree, okay? That's what holiness is. When God says no, we say, okay. That's not a debate, not a conversation. Well, but what about this? You know, let me, let me present to you this gray, foggy area because we like to live in the gray fog where we can live somewhat connected to holiness and radically connected to the world we live in. That's not holiness. That's compromise. And so we as a church, we as individuals, me as a pastor, we need to pursue holiness in all that we do. Holiness to Daniel was not second fiddle in the band. Holiness to Daniel was number one. It was the most important thing in his life. 2 Corinthians chapter 6 calls us out. It's a really cool verse. Watch this. 2 Corinthians chapter 6 verse 16 says, And what mutual agreement does the temple of God have with idols? For we are the temple of the living God, just as God said. Now listen, this is, this is his relationship. This is what he wants of you. Tell, you, tell the person sitting next, sitting next to you, he's talking to you now. Yeah, I'm talking to you. That's right, okay? This is what he wants for you. This is really, it's beautiful stuff. This is God speaking. This is what he says. He says, I will live in them. Says, I'm, God says, I'm going to take up residence, abode inside of these people. And he says, I will walk among them. He says, no matter where you go, your brightest day, your darkest day, your best day, your worst day. He says, I'm going to be right there in your business. I'm going to be right by your side among them. He says, and I will be their God. I'm not, he says, I'm not going to be a God. I'm going to be there. It's a pr- pronoun, a personal relationship. He's going to be your God. You can take ownership of God. Because he wants to be your possession, your prized, intimate possession. He says, uh, and I will walk among them, I will be their God, and they will be my people. He reciprocates. He says, I'm going to be your God, but it's not distant, man. You're going to be mine too. Isn't that good? It's a relationship with the Almighty. He says, and therefore, he says, because of that now, because that's the relationship I want with you, therefore, because of that, what I just said, Here's his command to us. I want you to come out from their midst and be separate, says the Lord, and touch no unclean thing, and I will welcome you. Now, right here's what he's saying. I want you to be sanctified. Sanctified means to be sanctified, okay? It means to become different from the world. You remember how it started? But Daniel made up his mind, sanctified, set apart. Daniel knew, man, I'm here for a different purpose. I'm a missionary, man. The reason God made me walk a thousand miles, unmanned me, reeducated me, and renamed me is because I am an image bearer of God and I'm going to the most ungodly place on the planet because I'm supposed to be a witness to him. I'm going to be a missionary, man, in Babylon. And and, and he says, "I I want you to be set apart and different. Now, I want you to understand something. How do you do that? how do you do that the church was given to help you do that your family in its original design was given to help you and I live a resolved life holding the line your youth group young people your college group students your community group Sunday school class adults your church it is given by God to help you to encourage you listen if you come to church and you're never challenged encouraged or invited to a deeper walk with God find another church if you are in a community group and you're not encouraged you don't feel empowered if you're in your youth group and and Clark and Kelsey don't talk about how living for God is better than living for the world If Jeremy and Rachel are leading you in college and they're not talking about how good it is to live for God and how warned we should be about being uh, uh, contaminated by evil, then you don't need to go there anymore. It is designed, if your family doesn't help you, listen, the reason why is it's designed to help you live a resolved life committed to holiness. Now, here's the thing I want you to know. If you can't live a holy life with the people who love you, you'll never live a holy life around those who don't if you can't live like Jesus with the people who love you you'll never live for Jesus around the people who don't it's just that simple but we think we can we think we can compromise it and so resolve everybody say resolve now the next one is interesting and I think it's 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 so cool that this was written 2600 years ago and I think it's beautiful how applicable this is for today and it is respect once you have resolve to hold the line and to live for God and pursue holiness, okay? And you're, 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 you've got a spine, man. It's firmed up and your muscles are flexed and you're ready to live for God. Okay, and you've got resolve. I've made up my mind. I've purposed in my heart. All right, now how are we going to present this new identity, this new direction to a world that is antagonistic to God? How are we going to present it to a world that is, that is the antithesis of God? How are we going to do that? We're going to present it with respect. This ain't always easy. Okay. Respect. Listen to what it says in verse eight. So he says he he therefore asked the overseer of the court officials for permission not to defile himself. Then God made the overseer of the court officials, or the director of the eunuchs, he made him sympathetic to Daniel. But the but he responded to Daniel. He says, "Man, I fear." That my master, the king, that he, he's the one who decided your food and drink. What would happen if he saw that you looked malnourished in comparison to the other young men your age? If that happened, you would endanger my life with the king. Verse 11. So Daniel spoke to the warden whom the overseer of the court officials had appointed over Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, and, and Azariah. And this is what he said. Please, sir, test your servants, for ten days by providing us with some vegetables to eat and water to drink. Then compare our appearance with that of the young men who are eating of the royal delicacies and deal with us in light of what you see. Verse 14, so the warden agreed to their proposal and he tested them for ten days. Now I want you to see that what happens here is they, they could have bowed up they could have marched and protested and riot and burned the target down, okay? They could have. They had it a whole lot worse than anybody on this in, 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 in the United States of America. There's nobody in America that I'm aware of that had to march, that had to walk a thousand miles to a new home, been castrated, been reeducated and reprogrammed, and then got a new name. You know anybody like that? I don't know a soul, Okay. They didn't protest, they didn't riot, they didn't burn the target down. You know what they did? They said, please, sir, will, will you give us permission to eat the food that God has called us to eat? Because, see, we've resolved ourselves to live different than the world. And we're just asking, if you will consider this idea, will you, will you let us do what God wants us to do? Because those food, that food is not good for us. It's not what God wants us to have in our life. You see, they were at a crossroads here where they could obey the king or they could obey God. And obeying God was bigger in their world. So they respectfully declined on everything that God had to offer. Several years ago, we moved up here to Tennessee from Alabama. I had two middle-aged girls, uh, uh, middle-aged teenagers at the time, a, a middle schooler and a freshman and high schooler. And we had taught them in Alabama... If, 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 if an adult female said, hey, you need to do this, yes, ma'am. If an adult male said something, yes, sir. They ask you a question, yes, sir. yes, ma'am, yes, sir. I still say that. I still, I st- if I go to a restaurant, they say, you like some more tea? Yes, ma'am. Okay. So we get up here. They go to school. They had been in school for like two weeks. One of them comes home and says, we're not allowed to say ma'am in school. I said, huh? They said, yeah. I, I said, yes, ma'am. She said, don't call me ma'am. Call me miss so-and-so because that makes me sound old. I said, well, then she is old. Okay. So we told him, says, "Okay, don't call, say yes, ma'am." To everybody else, just realize she's confused, and we moved on. And I thought, "What is this? What? Why would that be a problem?" So, uh, respect. When you turn on the television, when you look it up, look respect up in the dictionary. It doesn't look like what you see on television. Okay, you can have a disagreement. You can have a chasm of separation in philosophy. You can have polar opposite views with somebody but you can still be respectful Daniel knew he had to obey God and God had his back you remember when I shared that verse that says they will be my people I will be their God I will be in them I will be among them listen when you resolve yourself to live right you just maintain a respectful attitude and God will change the hearts and opinions of a lot of the people that you would normally find yourself cross with he says please give us permission Please test us in this. And God changed the the men who were over them and made them sympathetic to their goals. And so everything was stacked against them. They had everything going against them, and they could have had a pity party, but they didn't do that. They just continued to move forward with a respectful attitude. And that's what God wants for us. So we got resolve, we got respect. And third, I want to show you something that the world sometimes pushes back. The church sometimes pushes back because it's, it's also often conveyed in the, in the wrong context. And it is this, reward. I want you to know something. When you draw a line in the sand for God and you have a, a, a real strong desire to hold that line to a place where you have made up your mind, purposed your heart, and resolved yourself to do that thing. And then you present it to the world in a respectful Manner. I want to tell you something that happens God, the one that walks that lives in you, walks among you the one that calls you his and you call him yours he rewards you he rewards you living for God is a rewarding life now watch what happens in this scripture verses 15 through 20, we've got several verses but I just want you to see what happens when, you, when we get this right he says at the end of 10 days just 10 days, that's all we got Okay. He says, appearance was better and their bodies were healthier than all the young men who had been eating the royal delicacies. Go figure. God's got a good plan. Verse 16, so the warden removed the delicacies and the wine from their diet and he gave them a diet of vegetables instead. Then it says, now as for these, three, as for these four young men, God endowed them with knowledge and skill in all sorts of literature and wisdom and Daniel had an insight into all kinds of visions and dreams. When the time appointed by the king arrived, the overseer of the court officials brought them into Nebuchadnezzar's presence. And when the king spoke with them, he did not find among the entire group anyone like Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah. So they entered the king's service. Verse 20 says, in every matter, in every matter, in every matter of wisdom and insight, the king asked them about he found them to be ten times better than any of the magicians and astrologers that were in his entire empire. That's what happens, man. It's a rewarded life. What, did you see what it says? Ten times better? That, I want to put that in, in perspective. I, I have two son-in-laws, and they both are, take care of their bodies, you know. They work out a lot and all that. But Max... He's a muscle head. He would have been at our outdoor service in a tank top. Later I'd find out it's because his wife told him everybody's wearing them or whatever. I don't know what he, memo he got. But she convinced him to wear this muscle shirt. Now, he wears a muscle shirt well. In the early service, we have Will Short. Will Short, Will Short shows up at the drive-in out there wearing a muscle shirt. I, you know, I don't know. I don't know he's doing curls while I'm preaching. I don't know what he's doing. Okay? So what does it mean to be ten times better? It'd be like Max. Just brought some weights over to our house. We're working out in the barn now. Max said, Joel, did you work out? You have to be like if he said this. Did you work out this morning? Yeah, I did. How much did you bench? Man, I had a good day. 100 pounds. <laughs> 100 pounds, okay? And he'd say, oh, that's pretty good. I'd say, Max, what would you bench? 1,000. <laughs> okay, you're my friend. Okay? That's what it looks like. 100 pounds or 1,000 pounds That's what God's reward looks like. It's not insignificant what He does in our life, and there's. So here's the question: I want some of them beans, man. I mean, I want some of that. Where did Daniel get them beans? That's Holy Land beans, okay? Beans and water. Now I'm muscled up. I'm thinking smart. Smart peels, okay? Listen, there's nothing supernatural. Those are Jack and Beanstalk beans. When you climb up there and get the golden egg or whatever it was, all right. There's nothing supernatural about beans and water. But listen to me. There is something supernatural about being obedient to a supernatural God. He changes stuff. He rocks your world. He rewards you for drawing a line for him and being willing to be resolved and respectful in holding the line that he's placed before you. Now, people hate it when I talk about rewards because it sounds like prosperity gospel. You know, like uh, you know, you give your money to the church and then go home, check your mailbox, and there'll be a big fat check waiting on you, you know. That's not prosperity, that's not what I'm talking about. I'm not I don't have a jet. Okay? now that's a different world. Okay? They have to answer for that. I have to answer for conveying reality and truth, and that is this when you live for God, a resolved life, Presenting it respectfully, he will bless you and he will reward your your life. And I'll be honest with you, I'm a blessed person. I am I'm blessed, and I'm looking at blessed people. And you may not feel blessed in the moment, you're blessed. And if you ever want to really want to know how blessed you are, join us. Join Rachel. Join Clark and Kelsey and myself, and 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 join Keith and Tanya as we go to. Uh, As we go to a foreign land let's go somewhere where they don't have anything and they're happy in the nothingness that they don't have and you'll realize you're blessed but there's more you see when we live for God he blesses us now about many years ago 1991 I was uh, I was in a foundry business and I was working 12 hours a day, six, hour, six, six days a week. And I was, I was chasing Jesus. I mean, I was, I was in love with Jesus. Man, I loved his word. I loved the church. I was going door-to-door visiting people. I was on a journey, man. God was just, a, he was in me and among me. I felt it. He was mine. I was his. We were in his thing. And we had a little girl, Caitlin, and she was about two. And we had another little baby born, Kelsey. And I was praying, God. I'm good with everything. It's cool. You've been real good to me because I was making good money and everything. But I say, God, if you would give me a job that would let me spend more time with him, I would appreciate it. And he would open a door, close the door, open the door, close the door. And I'm like, okay, okay, I'll press on. And then one day he opened the door, shoved me through it, and he rewarded me for my heart's condition. Gave me a big fancy company car and expense account gave me a membership to a country club in Alabama. We were so, it was so funny. Me and Kendra would take a two-year-old and a newborn to the club after church on Sunday to the brunch. Had an ice sculpture in there. They got an ice sculpture in there. We're wiping chocolate cake off our kids' dresses. We're like fish out of water, but we were rewarded fish out of water. Okay? We're like redneck hanging out, you know, with the elite. But you know what? We had a good time. They'll tell you it was a good life. It was a good time. It was a rewarded life. But let me tell you, sometimes, even when you're doing right, you hit these crossroads like Daniel and his three buddies, where you get to decide, this is it, man. This is where i got to be who I am, regardless of the consequences. So my biggest account was a company called American Cast Iron Pipe Company in Birmingham. So my predecessor, the salesman, said, I'm going to take you over there. I'm going to introduce you. He said, this is where it's at. Every two weeks, you carry some biscuits in there. Ask them if everything's okay. See if you can sell them anything else, and you'll be fine. Okay, got it. Okay. So I'm doing it for about two months. I'm going in there. Here's your biscuits. Everything okay? All right. Love you. Bye. All right, that's my life. And then I go play golf and hang out at the country club. <laughs> I'm telling you, it was a good life. And so, so I go in there about two months into this thing. It's my largest account. It was a half million dollars a year. Okay, generated about $75,000 worth of profit. It was the largest account I had. And I go in there, flash my badge, got my biscuits, all right? He says, sir, you'll need to go to the front office and meet with the uh, director of materials acquisition. I'm sitting there thinking, man, I ain't been called to the office since, since like middle school, okay? So I go to the office. I waited, I waited, I waited, got called to the office. I sat in the office. I got called to the office. I went in there. Guy's name's Larry Perkle. Larry said, Joel, the reason why I called you in here." Is because you, we purchase about a half million dollars of business from you, of material each year. And it's my job to replace everything we buy from you and buy it from somebody else because of your unethical practices. And, I, I, I mean, I almost just, you know, messed in my shorts, I'll just be honest with you. All right, I'm a young family, moved to a new town, my biggest account, and that's what he says to me. He goes on, he says, uh, you've been buying business called backdoor selling, putting people, money in people's pockets so they'll buy product from you. And he blistered me for about 30 minutes. I said, hey. Larry, just now met you for the first time. I can tell you this much. Everything you just said is not true. I said, I just moved down here. With, I got two a beautiful wife and two beautiful little girls starting a new life down here. You're my biggest customer. I'm a Christian. I don't do that stuff. But if you'll tell me the rules, I'll play by your rules. And he said, did you just say you're a Christian? I'm like, oh, boy. I said, I did. And he goes, well, here's the thing. I am too but I'm not ask, acting like one for the last few minutes now, am I? I didn't answer him. I thought it real hard. But I didn't answer him. And he said, I took somebody else's word about you. And I didn't handle this right. And I apologize. Will you forgive me? I'm like, yeah, if you'll buy $10 million from me. <laughs> I said, I will. I'll forgive you. It's all good. It's good. Just tell me the rules. We'll, we'll go by the rules. We had a relationship moving forward. Once a month, we'd go lunch. We, we didn't talk about business. We'd talk about Jesus. Talking about how many people we led to the Lord. Talking about how many people getting baptized. Talking about how good our churches were doing. But here's what's funny about it. That's that crossroads. I got to be who I was supposed to be, or I got to be who he was calling me to be. I chose to be who I'm supposed to be in Jesus' name. And within just a few years, I was salesman of the year. Primarily because that customer went from a half a million to five million in just a few years. We took Caitlin and Kelsey to Hawaii. All right? On On a reward because of my sales were so good, they didn't even care. They did. They care less. We could have been at Myrtle Beach. They'd have been the same, you know. Because we, because God rewards us when we're resolved and respectful. And fourthly, which is powerfully important, the word is resilient. There's a verse tucked away here in Daniel chapter one. Concludes the chapter. It is profoundly cool and it's covert you don't see it coming unless you dive into it a little bit listen what he says in the last verse of the chapter he says now Daniel the guy we've been talking about he lived on until the first year of Cyrus the king oh okay so what big deal Cyrus isn't the king Nebuchadnezzar is the king Daniel lived 70 years In captivity Nebuchadnezzar he came and he went after he left Belshazzar came and went after he came and went Darius the Mede came and went after Darius the Mede Cyrus came and went and the whole time Daniel was right there he was resilient he took his, his line that had been drawn and he presented it to every world leader that came into his presence. And they could sense something different about his life. So much so they never killed him. And listen to this you can read the whole book right here, you can read the whole Bible. You will not find one negative word of counsel about this boy, that's, about this man who started as a boy in a foreign land named Daniel. It's all good stuff because he lived the same his whole life as he did when he started. He had an allegiance to God. He was committed to God. God lived in him. God lived among him. God was his God, and he was God's child. And that's who we're supposed to be. Now I want you to listen to me. Is it easy? Never. Never. I see young people who are in elementary school, middle school, and high school and they think man I'll just be glad when I get out of this temptation. Man it's everywhere I look, you know. My 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 morality, you know. Uh, you know, it's a profanity, it's a it's that whole sexual stuff, it's pornography, it's it's uh you know, this alcohol, and drugs and oh uh, it's all that stuff listen you just, it, it it will never be easy. It's still not easy. Is it easy? Never. Is it good? <laughs> listen, always It will always be good, and it will never be easy. And if we don't draw a line well now, we won't draw a line well then. It's important that we begin to do that. So to kind of paint a picture of what that looks like, I love this story. And we're done. Yeah. Okay? Let's just talk about chicken. There's a good curveball for you. It's about lunchtime. Let's talk about chicken. Okay? Okay? Do your research about chicken. You'll find out that Bojangles sells about $1.3 billion, with a B, dollars worth of bird every year. $1.3 billion last year. Zaxby's. I like Zaxby's. $1.8 billion worth of bird last year. Popeye's chicken. $3.2 billion worth of chicken last year. Kentucky Fried Chicken, old Colonel Sanders. He's coming in at 4.4 billion dollars worth of chicken last year. But there's another chicken man out there. There's another chicken hut out there. It's the holy bird. Amen? It's the Chick fil A. Less stores than all of those, and yet last year they sold ten point five billion dollars worth of holy bird. Okay? But there's something different about the origin of Chick fil A that's different from all of those other chicken sales people. Truett Kathy, was a man of God who drew a line in the sand. He was resolved to live by it, respectful in, in, in presenting it to the world, understood he walked in the reward, and because of that, to this day, he's been, that family has been resilient, and it is the fastest-growing chicken supply restaurant in America. It's blessed. What do they do different? They don't they sell more chicken and they work six instead of seven days he said early he said we're not opening on Sunday everybody thought he was absolutely nuts why because one of the biggest days for fast food is Sunday why cuz all of us gotta go eat and he said listen I'm not doing we're not making employees work and we're not gonna sell chicken so people who could go home and eat come down there and make us work we're gonna honor the Lord's Sabbath we're gonna honor Sunday and our people can go to church and he held by that. And then along comes all these agendas, the LGBT and everybody else pushing back and saying, oh, you don't, you're on your are you're, And he says, okay, that's fine. We're still going to be Chick-fil-A. We're going to be the nicest restaurant you'll find with the nicest people. They, they all drink the Kool-Aid. You know it's true. You can go to Chick-fil-A right over here tomorrow. Can't go today. Okay? You can go right over there and, and just go in there and look around. It's the cleanest. Smells the best. People are on, you know, happy crack. You know? It's my pleasure. You know, you try to, try to one-up them. Yeah, okay, thanks. Oh, my pleasure. Well, it's a pleasure eating your pleasure, okay? Okay, my pleasure. They'll not let you get out of there because you can't win, okay? I don't know what the deal is. You go across the street. Go, go across the street to Burger, Burger King. Where can I get you? You know? Okay, why? Why? Because living for God, although not easy, always good always good so here's the challenge there's no doubt in my mind in in the depth of my being in my soul that God wants to do something supernaturally beautiful on this hill how'd I know we're building a big old building over there in a pandemic that's a God-sized faith journey we started doing drive-in and people just kept coming God honors the fact that we're we're committed. We're here for a reason. We're gonna come together, encourage each other, sing to you, God, and learn from your word, and then go out and try to penetrate this dark world with the light of Jesus Christ. We're gonna try to do that. He says, Yeah, I got to see that. And I like what you're doing, so I'm gonna bless you. And he blesses us. And what we have to do as a church comes down to what we do and who we become as individuals, as part of this local body called the church. We've got to pursue holiness. Each one of us have to go before God and say, God, help me draw a line. And then God, help me hold the line. Help me live for you moving forward. Listen to me. He'll bless you. He'll reward you. He'll give you strength to move on. And this church will be something you've never seen before in your life. I know it. I, I feel it. That's what, God's, that's what God's desire is. I told the early service, I must as well tell you, My prayer is that God will let me preach. Whether we're in a parking lot or on this stage or that stage or overseas, that he will let me preach. That he'll give me clarity of mind enough and strength enough to stand, to preach his word until he takes me home. Because I want to finish well, like Daniel. There's a whole lot of people in the Bible. Man, they came out of the chute like a stallion. But they ended up like an old mule standing out in the field. I don't want that for you. I don't want that for me. I don't want that for us. And so I want you to join me as we pray. It all begins with a relationship with God. He will not live in you, He will not live among you until you have a relationship with Him through Jesus' Son. It's just that simple. So every person on the planet finds themselves at some point at a crossroads of faith where the Holy Spirit of God reaches from heaven, touches our heart and says, I love you, I created you, but I want more of you. And if you'll let Jesus come into your life, he's my son, if you'll let him come into your life, he'll wash away your sin, he'll make you new and fresh, And the Holy Spirit will come and seal you and indwell you and empower you and direct you. And I'll adopt you into my kingdom family forever. And we get to this place where we simply say, Father, I did not see this coming. Father, I didn't come here for that. But Father, I feel your Holy Spirit speaking to my heart about how much you love me. And I can't deny that. And so God, right now, I want Jesus, your son, the one who sacrificed his life for me. I want him to come into my life. I want what he did on a cross to be applied to my life. His gift, his grace for my guilt. Save me today. Fill me with your spirit. Help me live for you from this day forward I thank you for hearing my prayer I thank you for saving me today in Jesus name Amen and maybe you just prayed that prayer you need to make your commitment to Jesus public you need to let me know or one of our staff members know I'll be down here if you want to do that today if not you need to call me this week I want to pray for you I want to tell you about the next steps that you need to make as a follower of Jesus. For the rest of us that say, many of us, most of us would say, we've already made that commitment. It's time we draw a line in the sand, make up our mind, never to cross it. Let's stand and sing. We hope that God spoke to you through this message. If you enjoyed the message, be sure to subscribe to our weekly podcast and visit our website at sturkey.church to find all the latest information and upcoming events. Be sure to join us again next week. Until then, may God bless you.